Welcome to the Kingdom Life Community Church Podcast. Our 10 a.m. Sunday morning services and our 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night services are now held online. You can find them on our website, www.kingdomlife.global, as well as on Facebook and YouTube. Now here's the message from Pastor Steve Harmon. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. I'm glad you're here with us today. We're going to continue on uh, in our teaching of in, God, in John <clears throat> chapter 11. You know, I've, I've loved going through this book. A lot of things just kind of pop off the page uh, to me in my heart and, and are really apl- applicable. Uh, one of the things in, in dealing with this that we've been talking about for a long, long time is the idea about John really enforces the idea of intimacy with the Father. And um, you get that a lot with, you know, Jesus' prayer that you're going to see later on down the road as we get there. But you're looking at John chapter 11. We're going to be dealing with uh, the death of Lazarus. And so we've talked about this before in church. I just want to go through this uh, a little bit today. And because and, uh, there's also there's a I am statement and then there's a, a seventh sign that, that Jesus does. So um, I just kind of want to go through this in, as, as if we're just telling a story. Okay. And so uh, you have Lazarus, this guy who's got sisters, Mary and Martha, and, and they're, they're good friends of Jesus, and Jesus loves them. And it's evident as we read uh, in this story. And it says that um, as we go down here, uh, the sisters sent a message to Jesus and said, the Lord, and said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, and this is in verse 4, he said, this sickness is not... Uh, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified in it. And it says that Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. So let's stop there for a second. Um, because there's a statement that, that Jesus makes here when he talks about when they, when they send word to him that Lazarus is sick. And it's, if they're sending word that he's sick, it's, it's not just a cold. They're realizing that there's something wrong with him, that the possibility of death is, is, is real. And so get to the master. Get word to the master because we need him, right? So Jesus gets this, this word. It's a, it's a prophetic word. And that prophetic word that he says to his disciples is like, hey, listen, uh, this is not unto death. Right? He's like, whatever he's suffering with is not unto death, but it will be so that the Son of Man, it'll be for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified in it. It's very important. Uh, we understand that uh, prophetic words are important in the church today. Um, it's also, you've you got to be careful because you've got to judge those things as well too, the Bible tells us about. But, and even though sometimes there, people can be off here and there, it, you still don't throw out the prophetic. Um, you purify it. And so uh, we need the prophetic gifts strong in the church today. God leading, God showing, God uh, speaking um, through people. And so that's alive and well today. It happens today. Uh, it, it also is, is used wrong and incorrectly at times, but that does not make the gift invalid. And so the church needs uh, the true gift of prophecy. And a lot of times, when we were talking about last week uh, in John, uh, um, uh, I think it was last week, we were talking about, uh, no, no, it was Wednesday night, dreams. Uh, uh, when you're talking about who's it drawing glory to, right? Uh, a lot of times there's, sometimes there's prophets out there that are saying and giving words that are, are really kind of self-promoting themselves. And, and, and I get that. 
and that happened in Paul's day. Uh, I think it was in Philippians that Paul was talking about that there were pre- people who were preaching Christ, uh, but just so they could cause more trouble for Paul. And then he would say, but nevertheless, Christ is preached, right? So in every era <laughs> that we've, we've lived in, um, in this New Testament world, we've had people that have done things for themselves, not necessarily with the right uh, agenda in mind or the right person giving the glory to, but God has still used it for himself. And so it, it is the same way with the, prof, the prophetic or any other gift in the Bible. Just because some people are using it wrong does not make the gift invalid or not needed. The gift is needed, all right? And so he gets this prophetic word that the sickness that Lazarus has is not going to be unto death, but it's going to be for the glory of God, and the Son will be glorified in it. And so he's going to stay. And so what that means is that Jesus doesn't go running right off to Lazarus, right? He's like, oh my goodness, uh, Lazarus is sick. We've got to get there quick so I can anoint him, and, and then he'll get better. See, he's not operating in that type of, of, of anxiety or frustration or, or you know, just got to get there quick, right? Uh, Jesus understands who he is, and Jesus understands uh, who sent him, and Jesus understands the plan and what he's supposed to be doing. And so when he gets this word, he knows that he can live and operate with the framework, that the, the word that he got, which is the same for us too. A lot of people doubt in the dark what they knew in the light. And the prophetic word that God gives you is supposed to be like when you're on the mountaintop and you're getting that revelation from God and it's so good and then you got to come off the mountain like Moses did and all of a sudden you're going to be dealing with a bunch of people who have, have done everything wrong, right? And you, you've got this prophetic gift or this word that God has given you and all of a sudden you're leaving the church service and now you're going back into the chaos from which you once came. And now it's like, oh my gosh, was any what happened at church real? Because I'm dealing with all this kind of stuff. And I'm telling you that the, the prophetic is, is part of what you wage warfare with when you go from the mountaintop into the valley. Because the valley is the fleshing out of what you received on the mountaintop. And so you've got this, this, this you know that this, you've, you've tested this word, you, it's confirmed, you believe it to be true, you've, elders have confirmed it, whatever, you've gone to, to people, you trust the person who's given it to you, and so you've got this thing, you know it's God, and now what's going to be tested is not necessarily the word, because we know his word will not return void, but what's going to be tested is, am I going to hold on to that as if that is the truth, even in the valley where there's a lot of stuff that has to be fleshed out and whether it's going to happen or not and blah, blah, blah. Am I going to hold on and fight with that or am I going to give up on it? You see, I can give up on the prophetic word that God has given me. I can refuse it. It doesn't mean that his word is going to end, but just like Saul and David, uh, David was the second choice. (laughs) Saul was the first choice and blew it, right? Right? And so I, it's the same way, I think, with prophetic words with us, that, that, that it's not going to revert, return void his word, but my refusal of it or giving up on it just means that it may not be happened true through me. It may happen through somebody else. But God will never lose, and God gets his way all the time. The question is, is, is he going to have his way in me, or am I going to refuse him? And so uh, I'm spending a little time on this a little bit so that, you know, know that we are in times where, you know, we can't be here at church. We can't all this different kinds of stuff with the COVID and social distancing. And I get all that. But the reality of it is, um, for me, is that there are prophetic words uh, that we have been given as individuals, that we've been given as a church, 
that what we, that is what we use to wage warfare with in this time when it seems like are we ever going to be able to get back together in this building? Are we ever going to be able to, to see these things? And it feels kind of dark, even though, you know, the blessing of being around my family so much is awesome and all the different kind of stuff, but I miss my, my church family. You're important to me, and I know you love me, and we want to be together. And so how, how do we navigate these times where you reflect back and say, hey, listen, how should I even be praying during this time? You say, hey, listen, there are words that God has given you. There are words that God has given us. And that was what we hold on to. And we pray through and we remind ourselves and we petition them up to God. And, and we stay true to what those things are. They're part of the warfare of which we fight with. And so uh, Jesus has this. And so when I rely on that, then when the world wants to give me anxiety and frustration and all these different kinds of things, the word that God gave me, what is attached to that, when I latch onto that, is peace. So part of my peace in the midst of all this chaos is knowing that what I'm going through right now is just for a time. That on the back side of that, uh, there's going to be the release of what God has called me to do and anointed me to do and empowered me to do, right? And there's nothing that man can do to stop what God wants to have happen. Okay, so he knows that the sickness is not going to end in death. We don't have to worry. We don't have to freak out over everything. We're, we're going to do what we have to do, and then we're going to go and, and take care of Lazarus. And so he stays two more days in the place where he was. And after that, he said, let's go to Judea. <clears throat> and so, oh man, it's a rough place. They just came out of there, and there are people trying to kill Jesus. Uh, uh, they tried to stone you, um, and you're going there again. And Jesus is going to come with us. Hey, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Meaning sunlight. Uh, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered, if anybody walks during the day and doesn't stumble uh, because he sees the light of the world, and anybody walks during the night, uh, does he stumble because it is light is not in him? He said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am on my way to wake him. Okay, so... <clears throat> what is he really talking about? Like, hey, listen, what he's really saying at, in, in this instant right here and what we as a church need to latch on to is that, listen, there is glory that I can give the Father by going to Judea and nothing is going to restrain me from bringing glory to the Father. And that should be the mantra of the church. This is why in Christendom, whenever there's been tragedy and stuff like that, the majority of the Christian church runs to it in the past. Frontline people, all these different kinds of stuff. Um, now, uh, in, in our era, we're, we're seeing a lot more of duck and cover <laughs> than we used to. And, and so people ask ourselves, well, how should the church be acting in times of crisis? Well, and the church meaning the body, not the building. Well, it's not about duck and cover and hide. It's about what is God asking me to do during this time? And it may be different from what he's calling other people to do, but the reality of it is, is it's not time for us to, to stay silent and to stay quiet and to hide. It's time for us for our light to shine in these troubled times. So he's going to Judea where they tried to stone him before because there's glory that God can receive through his obedience. And it's the same with you. We, give, we honor our Father, we bring glory to our Father through our obedience and going where he's called us to go, speaking what he's called us to say, and, and living the way he's called us to live. And so you follow where the glory leads you, people. And, so, and, 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 and where the glory leads you is not always um, the hotel, Hilton. Sometimes it's in, in dangerous places. Sometimes it's in the ghetto. Sometimes it's wherever it's at. 
If you really believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness there is, and there's no, play on, no place on earth that doesn't belong to God, the problem is that just the church has not occupied all the places that God has told them to occupy, partly because they're afraid. They're living in fear. That's why I have so much respect for people who, who go into the darkest places of, of wherever to plant churches. They know that God has called them there. And in our reality, like they're risking their life, they're risking their family. But the greater risk is not to be obedient to where God called you to go. I think this is important stuff for us to remember as we're going through this stuff we're going through with this pandemic. So um, the disciples are having a hard time. They don't know exactly what he's talking about here. It's like, well, if he fell asleep, won't he get well? How many of you know that when you're sick, rest is good, right? Uh, but that's not what Jesus meant. A lot of times when you're talking about falling asleep in the scriptures, it means death. Uh, he wasn't speaking about his death. He was speaking about, uh, he was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about his natural sleep. So he plainly told them, hey, listen, Lazarus is dead. Now listen. If I hear that, you know, as, as a disciple, and I don't have understanding, I'm like, I thought you said the sickness was not until death. And here you're telling me that Lazarus is dead? Did we waste the two days? Did we not hurry? Now, what Jesus is saying is, is that uh, his death is not going to be final. He's not going to stay dead, people, is what Jesus is saying. And so he's like, I, I'm, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna go there, and he's going to bring glory to the, to the Father. Look what he says. Uh, so he says, Lazarus has died, and I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. See, they've been around him a lot. They've seen a lot of the healings. They've seen the lame walk. They've seen the blind see. They've seen the deaf hear. They've seen the demonic uh, release from bondage, right? And they've, they've seen a, 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 lot of, a lot of things happen. They've seen the lepers cleansed. They've seen just about everything you can see. What they probably have not seen yet for, or too much of, is the raising of the dead. And so this is a big one. You ever notice that um, in Christendom, in, in, in our faith uh, as believers, sometimes there's this line that we don't think God is going to cross. Maybe it was COVID-19 for you. Maybe it's like, I was good doing all this kind of stuff, but now they're coming out and now they're talking about how, how you know, we got to stay in shelter, you got to do all this kind of stuff, you got to stay safe. And, and I'm not mocking that. What I'm saying is, is that even in the, in the midst of COVID-19 and the, the, the pandemic that we're going through, do you believe and trust that God is greater than it? Or are you believing that the pandemic has power over what God has spoken in your life? That's what I'm asking. I, I get, I, I, listen, we're practicing social distancing, I get it. Washing your hands is not a bad thing or any of that kind of stuff. I get that. It, it, I'm not saying don't be smart, but if you're controlled by doubt and fear, then you won't be able to be mobilized when God calls upon you. And that's what we're talking about here. You won't be able to follow where God is calling you to bring glory to himself. All right, moving along here. Um, so he gets there, and he finds Lazarus has been dead in the tomb for four days, right? Okay, that's a big one. Been dead four days. Probably most of the people are like, it's over. Uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to uh, Martha and Mary to confront them about their brother. And as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. 
But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet I even know now that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And listen to what Jesus says to her. He's like, listen, your brother's going to rise again. How many times have we been to a funeral where we've heard that? Right? The resurrection. He will rise again. He will, you know, or she will and all these different kinds of, yes, they will definitely rise again. And we pack that and say, yes, there's a farther along, we'll know all about it, right? Uh, there's going to be a time when we're all going to be uh, together again. You know, my mom passed away in 2009. I look forward to the time when I get to see her again in heaven. Absolutely. That is something that we look forward to later on down the line. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. You know, this is not, this is not about farther along. This is about right now, okay? She's like, and she's like, I, 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 he goes, um, Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now, see, again, there was doctrinal dispute between Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, and the Sadducees did not. And so there was just like, you know, see, we don't have those kinds of arguments in the church today over doctrine, do we? Okay. So as he's, he's going through this, I was really looking at this. Uh, this is not what he's talking about. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is what Jesus is asking throughout the Christendom, throughout the eons of time. Do you believe this about him? We're struggling with this today out in the world. There are people that believe that once you die, you just shut off and it's over. Okay. There are others that believe you are reincarnated. You were a human on this life, and you're a bug in the next. Okay. I tend to believe what, what Jesus says, that he said, I'm going to, where to prepare a home for you, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to receive you to my own. See, that, I believe what the scriptures say. They're the absolute truth. I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I believe Jesus did what he said he did, and I believe that Jesus is going to do what he said he was going to do. And he's coming back to bring us to a place that he's preparing for himself, and that is the resurrection of the life. But even right now, we can experience that resurrection life. So there's resurrection life that's coming at the end, but there's resurrection life that I'm experiencing right now in my own body. And an outward manifestation of the resurrection of Jesus' life is going to reach out and it's going to touch Lazarus. Okay, let's, let's look what... She says to him, uh, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes in the world. Okay. We're moving on down here. Um, uh, He's going to meet up with Mary. Uh, Jesus had not come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were there in the house were consoling her and saw... And saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So she followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. But when Mary came and saw Jesus, she falls down on his feet and told him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Angry. Interesting. We'll wait on that. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And Jesus wept. And Jesus said, see how he loved him? But some said, couldn't he have opened them? Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also kept this man from dying? Everybody is focused on thinking that Jesus missed it. It's like, well, he opened the blind man's. Couldn't he kept this man from dying? Man, if he, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But God, you missed it. How many times uh, in your life have you felt that God missed it with you? <laughs> 
because you were looking for God to work in a certain way that he wasn't going to ever intended to work in. And you were so focused on that, that and put all your eggs in that basket. You were so sure. You were so right. You were so, what you were was so misled. And, and so now you're like, well, God didn't work that way. God, did you miss me? God, did you forget about me? God, am I absent from you? No. No, you, I, I didn't miss you. You missed me. Because I'm working in a different way than what you expected. And so some people struggle with that. Sometimes that leads them into doubt, thinking God doesn't care and God doesn't love. And that's not the case whatsoever. You just were wrong on how God was going to do that. Don't worry about it. We've all, missed, we've all made that mistake at one time or another. God has not missed you. He is working on your behalf. It, the plan you thought the way it was going to turn out, that just wasn't the way it was going to work. It's not what he wanted to do. It's like, okay. So what do you do when that happens? You take a step back and say, Lord, I missed it. You're obviously going to work another way. I trust in what you're going to do, and I'm looking for that, God. Whatever you do is, 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 will be true and right. Okay, uh, so people are crying, and, and Jesus was angry, and Jesus wept, and see how he loved him, and all these kinds of things. And, and Jesus then in, chapter, in verse 38, Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lying against it. Remove the stone, he said. Isn't that interesting? It's a tomb with a stone. What is Jesus angry at? Is he angry at their unbelief? Is he, what is he angry at? Maybe death. I don't know. You can look at this and we can posture, you know, and think and, 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 and try and figure that out. But the reality of it says he was angry and he comes to the tomb. I think maybe, uh, uh, maybe it was their lack of faith. Maybe they didn't really believe who, who said it was. They said it. That's happened before. People have said they really believe in Jesus, but you, when that comes to flesh out in their life, you really see that how they live falls short from what they say. It's very possible. Very possible. Could have been angry at death. Why? Because death, uh, is, is, it seems so final, but yet he has power over it. So look what he's saying here. All right, so. Uh, it was a cave of stone. Uh, Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying, and it's been four days. Right? It's like, listen, he's been dead for four days. We missed it. Let's just grieve together and get through this. Right? Oh, this is powerful. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Let me explain this to you real quick. You see, in the world, seeing is believing. In the kingdom, believing is seeing. And too many people are operating from a worldly perspective and trying to access kingdom things. But they'll say, if I see it, I'll believe it. That's not how it works in the kingdom. If you believe it, then you will see it in the kingdom. Your faith comes first. And it activates something uh, in the spiritual realm to make things happen. And happen in the physical. And so many times we operate, seeing is believing. You're acting more like a doubting Thomas than you are a faithful believer. And don't, I, you know, we've all struggled with doubt. I, I get that. I'm not trying to, to condemn you. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm trying to shake us up a little bit and saying, hey, listen, we need to start looking more in the kingdom perspective of things instead of trying to operate from a worldly perspective in kingdom things. And in the world, seeing is believing. But in the kingdom, believing is seeing. So I says, do you believe this? Church, what do you believe are you content to come to church on Sunday, feel good for a little bit, and then go your way? I'm not. 
I'm not, I'm not comfortable in just preaching messages. I'm not comfortable in just teaching you things. Um, there's, I like that, but there's more to it. I don't want to teach you from just a theological perspective about things. I want to teach you from an experiential perspective about things. I don't want to teach you that Jesus can heal but never has experienced any healing that in me or that I've laid hands on someone for because there's no power if I teach you something that I haven't experienced myself in one way or another. And so I'm not content to teach you the theology, just the theology of this. I want to teach you that, but I want you to teach you the experience because we've been there through it. So how do you experience these things that Jesus said you can do? You have to get out of your fear. You have to get into your faith because fear is saying stay here until you see something happen. Then it's safe to move. That's what fear does. Faith says, I don't see how this is going to happen, but I'm going to step out anyway because my belief is going to activate my spiritual sight. This is throughout the Bible. This is throughout the Bible. You got the servant of the prophet. It's like, oh, there are so many people here. And what does the prophet say? Lord, uh, show them who's on our side. And he looks up and sees all these spiritual heavenly hosts. Listen, man, if, if you don't have spiritual sight, you don't get to see who's on your side. And who is for you? And I'm telling you, uh, God is on your side. He's activated angelic hosts to be on your side. The entire resources of the kingdom are on your side. But man, if you're stuck in a worldly perspective, you're not going to see the power that God has released in you and through you to activate his kingdom. But you do that through faith. You do that through believing first and then seeing. I'm tired of people getting messed up on this concept and thinking God has failed them when, when in reality uh, they were the ones that were mistaken. So look at what they have. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes said, Father, I thank you that you, you hear me or you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of this crowd standing here, I say this so that they may believe in you who sent me. See, listen to what, listen, this is a healing service going on here. But it's not like a healing service today. A healing service today is, is, is like, a lot of times what you see is, is trying to pump up stuff and trying to exalt maybe the person on the stage and a lot of stuff that doesn't need to happen. Listen, if you really are, are going to do the healing service, then you're healing in the name of the, our Father. You're healing through, through Jesus. So it's not about the power that Steve Harmon has to lay hand and bring healing upon somebody. No, 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 no. I cannot heal you. I cannot deliver you. I cannot do anything for you. I, in my own strength, am the worst thing you could ever have on your side. But, comma, Christ in me, the Spirit of God in me is the best thing you could have on your side. So if, I'm, if, if we're going to do a healing service here and lay hands on people for healing and all these different kinds of things, guess what? It's not about me. It's not about this guy or not about this guy. It's not about this. No, no. It's about bringing glory to the Father. Simple, true as that. Bringing glory uh, through Jesus. Jesus is the one who initiates all this stuff. And so uh, this is important because my perspective has to be right on this. It needs to be right on this. I'm not drumming up a ministry for myself. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be one of those guys who's, who's, who's false and fake and trying to move you into something that's not true. I don't want to bring glory to myself. I want to bring glory to the Father. Is healing for today? Absolutely it is. 
Absolutely it is. But believing is seeing. All right. So, uh, so Jesus said, I, I, I say this standing here so that they might believe that you sent me. So Jesus is saying to the Father, listen, I'm not asking to do this because I doubt. I'm asking to do this because they doubt. And if this gets done, they're going to believe in you. And here's what happens. After this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. Came out looking like a mummy, didn't he? But he didn't stay in those wrappings. In some translations, it says he said, get the grave clothes off of him. See, this is important. I think the grave clothes represent the dead parts of the flesh that God, that God has called to die in us. And so if you're a new, if you're a, a believer, if you're a new creation in Christ, you can't go back wearing the same clothes you wore uh, as an unbeliever and acting in those same things. You have been given something new. You have been giving robes of righteousness in your spiritual man to, to put on and to walk with. These aren't things that you earned. These aren't things that you did yourself. This is the garments that Jesus gives you as a new believer. And you've got to remove the, the dead stuff from you. You've got to remove that anger and malice and, or, or and agendas and everything that, that God has called to you, you, you crucify on your daily cross, right? The sanctification part. You play a part in the sanctification by yielding to the Spirit of God who tells you to put that back on the cross. You've got to get those grave clothes off of you. Because you, you can't operate in the kingdom with your old clothes. How many of you love to go shopping for new clothes? I mean, I don't like to do it every week, but every once in a while I like to go shopping. I got get some new duds, and it, it looks nice, and it feels good, doesn't it? Imagine the idea of exchanging what was destroying you into something that is now giving you life. Okay, so he comes out, and he says, loose him and let him go. Listen. Once you get the grave clothes off, you are loosed, and then you are freed. Once that stuff comes off on you, and the new garments come on you, you have been loosed from the old stuff, and now you are free, and now it's time for you to go and bring the life of Jesus to wherever God calls you to go. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.